0: If you don't do that, like, I just, like it's just next, right? It's just next for me. Yeah. So the personalization and preparation. Behind the scenes, it was a small group of people that were doing everything.
1: Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I want to know how this insane growth actually happens. What are you doing when no one's around, no one's looking? Are you just showing up and doing the minimum or are you approaching it like a pro? To be a student of the game. One thing we've learned in helping our founders and operators scale their businesses is that cash is one of their most precious resources. Cash flow is the lifeblood of any business, and so we've partnered with Flex to help companies improve the way they manage their cash flow. Uh, Flex is a finance super app built around a credit card with unique net sixty day terms that enables businesses to make an investment today. And pay it back 60 days later with 0% interest. If your business growth is in any way constrained by your cash flow, uh, whether you need that for inventory, advertising, or something else, uh, Flex can provide you with an interesting growth lever. Uh, we're a huge fan of their tech and their team. Uh, for more information and to apply now, visit www.flex.one. Uh, again, that's www.flex.one. Now let's get to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the GTM Podcast. As always, you've got Scott Barker and appreciate you hanging out with us today uh, to talk about everything go-to-market, scaling companies, sales, marketing, operations, enablement, hiring product. We talk about it all and we try and get leaders on who have had the lived experience um, and are really going through it and share their their stories of what has worked, what hasn't, and get sort of a behind-the-scenes look. Uh, we got a great guest today for that. Uh, I'm joined by Ange uh, McManaman. Ange, welcome.
0: Thanks, Scott. I'm really excited to be here.
1: Likewise, likewise. Um, we've been trying to get this on the books for a while, and I had just a ridiculous travel schedule recently. So I appreciate your your patience, uh, but all good things are are worth waiting for. So pumped to, to hang out with you today. So quickly, uh, just for the listeners, so Ang uh, Ange is a, a tenured, tenured sales leader, uh, who really, you know, puts culture first. Um, you've helped build high performing SaaS teams, um, across all areas of an organization. Uh, currently you are the VP of sales at Crunchbase, um, uh, incredible company and you lead the high growth team uh, out of New York City. Uh, previous to that, you were a sales leader, uh, for Amazon, uh, Nodal and Stack Overflow. Uh, so super impressive career. What what did I I miss there?
0: Uh yeah, I mean I think you summed it up very nicely. I, I think kind of the the story with me is that I've I've been around I've been around the block a couple times, but I've also experienced uh, being a sales leader in many different types of companies or industries um, and different times of growth right whether it's series b series c series d or a public company i've kind of so i I think that makes me very well-rounded because i've seen so many different types of um just scenarios and figuring out the structure of the team the the, how we're going to hit the number um and everything that kind of goes along with that so yeah, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been, I, I'm mainly more probably lean on the, you know, the, um, the, the startup person, uh, type. I, um, I love, I, I love the thrill of that, but with that, as you know, comes just a lot of hard, hard work, tenacity, um, blood, sweat, tears, and more tears. Right. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of been my, my career and it's been, it's been really fun. Um, but it's also been really rewarding to be, you know, on your on your show where I get to share what I've gone through and also listen to, um, you know, who you've had on your show and, and see what they've gone through. Because I think without community and without sharing and talking through this big sales leadership role that we live in, we're nothing. I think we and, and kind of doing it together makes it just more realistic and fun.
1: Totally. Yeah. I feel like. Leadership in general, sales or otherwise, can feel sometimes isolating or like lonely. lonely. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So just hearing other people like, "Oh, I'm not losing my mind." That
0: I <laughs> <laughs> did make an okay decision.
1: Yeah, right? exactly. Um, and it's super interesting that um, you know you've had this vast array of experiences across different uh, stages of companies, and I feel like there's kind of two different archetypes of successful leaders. And uh, one is, you know, they, they figure out their niche, and they just double down. They're like, yeah. I'm a, a zero to five leader, and that's what I do, or I'm a zero to one, or I'm a 100 to 500. And then that's all I do. And then they kind of just build a playbook and like repeat it. Um, and then there's this other archetype where, you know, they go into different stages and then they collect the bits and pieces that they've learned that work from all right. of those and apply it to, you know, whatever uh role they're they're currently in um both, you know, hugely beneficial. But I imagine you pull things that you were doing at a public company that is like, why don't startups do this and and vice versa, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, so I'm definitely the latter. I think I'm I'm that that archetype that's I wanted to experience the different, um, scenarios and different, and different, um, I guess stages of the companies because, because of what you experience, right? Because of what you go through. It's so different being, you know, that zero to 10 from the 50 to 100. And, Mm. um, but with that said, there are some similarities that you could actually like, accelerate on, if you will, right? So it's just, I guess more it's about the learnings and it's about foundationally what you how you stand as a leader and then how you kind of adjust given what the task is at hand and, and, and where you are as a company.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that big company experience almost allows you to peer into the future. Like, okay, I've seen where, if it all goes right, where we kind of get to, so could we build some of the foundation now so it's not as difficult to to make the jump when we do, you know, Definitely. grow up. Yeah.
0: yeah. It all, and it also makes me do things the right way or try right. to. Yeah. Right. Cause at, at, the, at a bigger company, there's so many more processes and structure in place. Just mm-hmm. given there's more people, there's more money to mm-hmm. tap, to, to be able to build. Um, and with that can become restricting in 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 ways if i'm not trying to downplay it or make it sound in a negative connotation at all but i probably learned more of like that's not how i want to build my team that's not how i want to be a leader and that's and that's just my experience that that helped Mm -hmm. me right so so although i love what you said like we got to get to that place when you're at that startup. You're trying to get there, but also like, can we get there the right way? And let's not be completely imitating that when we get there, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It does. Yeah. We'll get there, but let's do it a bit better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 But I, I think just as as humans, when I look at my personal journey, I think I've probably learned more from seeing what, I don't want to do or the leader I don't want to be than, than the people that I was trying to emulate, you know, 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's great. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about and we'll just dive right into it. Um, so you, you've had this incredible career. And one of the things I really appreciate about you is you've taken the time to sort of codify some of your, um, pillars, values, you know, things that You've seen as red threads uh, throughout your career that that made you successful and your team successful, um, and you know I think more leaders should do that. Um, you know a lot of leaders just gain great intuition over the the years and they they rely on that, but taking the time to really sit down and say, okay, what is important for me and what do I feel like is important for broad sales leadership uh, as a whole, uh, I think is really cool. And would love it if you could just share for for the listeners kind of your your pillars and how you think um, about building successful teams in in the sales profession.
0: Great, yeah. I, I wish I was one of those wing it, just see to see my pants. Like this is how I am a great leader. No, I need more a little bit more structure. Um, and so yeah, I I develop these principles or my foundation just to remind myself of who I want to be and how I want to lead um, and then and, and then expose my team to them to make sure there's transparency and trust. Um, so pretty simple, uh, professionalism, preparation, process, performance, and play. So I can obviously break, break them all down, but that kind of encompasses everything that I should be thinking about as a strong leader. So if Mm -hmm. you take professionalism, you know, that's goes without saying, but just, you know, actually when I, when I thought of these a few years ago, it was probably, probably like four or five years ago now that I developed them, but I was, we were not, I was not remote. um, And so I was at Notel and this it was a lot more in-person sales meetings than we are today than the world we live in today and we'll, we'll continue to live in. Right. Um, and so it's a bit different in person, um, when you're meeting a client and when, you know, we were showcasing space. So like, um, office space. And so just being reminded of, you know, just looking great, Right, mm-hmm. feeling you're feeling good, looking good, um, you know, just just kind of, yeah, I, I guess just like not forgetting that small thing of you know being courteous and and just being polite and stuff. And so it started there because I think, although that goes without saying, we're all professionals. We're all you know trying to be the best salespeople we can be. I think that just like that's kind of the first and foremost, right? Let's just. Um, showcase who we are in the best possible way, whether we are in Zoom or whether we are in person. And I think, um, yeah, so yeah. a lot more to think about that one with in person, right? In Zoom, yeah. it's kind of easier. And and although, yeah, I mean, there's not much Zoom etiquette you need, but there is a way of just running the sales call introductions, right? Everything from th- that can just sometimes, as, as you know, salespeople, like we just want to get, we just want to talk. We just want to get to the good parts, right? We just want to kind of like push the process forward. So professionalism is like my number one.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a big one. And and I think I would even, you know, push that it is hyper relevant still on, on Zooms, but I think we can almost fall into the trap that it's, that it's not, it's much easier to be like, Hey, like, you know, going to throw on my my sweats and I'm just going to, you know, rock this cuz it's all good but like, you know, people upon your first meeting even if they're not meaning to be right. judgmental, we're judgmental beings as as humans and and we can't help it. So those those small things really do matter, everything from, you know, your background to, yep. you know, showing up, you know, a little bit late or like like calendar etiquette. Like there there's almost this new Age yeah. of professionalism, right? It's like, like I, I would be uh, bad for switching this calendar <laughs> invite right. so much for this podcast, right. but like things like that is kind of like the new era right. of, of professionalism. And if you do have to switch yeah. it, make sure you're sending a note and explaining why and and exactly. things like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are those are big. Uh, I love the fact that they're also. Uh, I'll start with P, so they make them easy, easy to remember. Quite easy to remember, yeah. <laughs> easy to remember. Yeah. <laughs> uh, professionalism, preparation, uh, process, performance, and play. play. Um, I love those. Talk me through uh preparation a little bit. This yeah, is so obviously incredibly important
0: for sure. I mean, as salespeople, we we need to be prepared for the sales calls. You better read those. Uh, Salesforce notes from your SDR, you better um, know what the company does, who you're speaking to, right? Like, how do they make their money? I mean, all the things that we need to have a, whether it's a discovery call or whether you're presenting a proposal, like how do you need to continue to build trust? Um, how do you, you know, stay on, on just on top of your game as far as like they they know that they're speaking to somebody that has done their research um, and is is just in the know. And I think that again, I think some people are really good at that with things in sales, like with our job in sales. And I think some people wing it <laughs> back back to that, um, and sometimes winging it works. Mm-hmm. But most of the time it doesn't. And I and or it doesn't it just doesn't make the sale really great at some point. And I mm-hmm. and um so yeah, so I think preparation is key for everything. And that could even go back to the, you know, making sure your Zoom and your audio works and make, you know, just those little things. Mm-hmm. Um and prep and and giving yourself time to prep for these calls. So that's you know, that's preparation. It's again. This is not groundbreaking. It's just rem- it's reminders of the things that I, I think we need to think about it just to stay just on top of our game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's really just no excuse anymore. Even if you are more of the like wing it type, I got this. Maybe you've been in your role for a long time. Preparation has never been easier in right. history, right? Like the access we have to information, to knowledge is it's just so abundant you can probably get more information in 5 minutes than you could in you know 5 months you know a decade ago um on a given company a given person you know you can go deep like maybe the person you're about to go into a sales call with maybe they've been on a podcast can you listen to that maybe they've done a webinar maybe they've written a blog post like you can consume personal content from these people and like get a sense of who they are, what they stand for, what they're all about. Um, and then, you know, the connectivity piece is big as well, like. Right. For me, a lot of the preparation I will do comes down to seeing like how many mutual connections we know and being like, "Oh, like why I wonder how they know this person and then kind of piece it together and I'm like, "Oh, they worked at Salesforce when so and so was in there. I bet they worked on this like project and so you can you know, build trust very quickly now, uh, due to, you know, largely technology and like, you know, cr- Crunchbase is a perfect, perfect example, right? Like the amount of times I go to Crunchbase when I'm looking at a, a company, see how much they raise, see their, their investors, um, probably do it literally every day, multiple times a day. Um, and it's like, it's right there. Um, that's a, that's a big one that is just, I think unforgivable to, to miss and, right. and can be sort of the, the kiss of death if you're, if you're not prepared and you've got a type a expert on the phone like <laughs> they'll lose faith so fast um they'll be they'll be tuning you out by minute 5 if you're you're not prepared
0: yeah you're so right i mean nowadays it's it's brownie points for say say you know for somebody outbounding me um mm-hmm. you can tell right away how much preparation they've done, how much research they've done on me. And it's so easy. I mean, there are so many things that you could find um, from just, you know, podcasts and just like my career. Um, And Mm -hmm. so if you don't do that, like, it's like, it's just next, right? It's just next for me. So the personalization and preparation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's almost like you're asking me to invest time in you and you didn't invest any time in in me. It feels like an unfair trade right off the get go. That's right. Um. Okay, so we've got professionalism. We got preparation. uh, Process. All right. Super, super, super important.
0: It's some sales people's uh, not favorite one. I think process is. Um, and when I say that, I say that half jokingly because I think some of the best sales people I've, I've ever led and I've ever been around, they don't focus so much on process, right? They sometimes mm-hmm. focus on just their natural ability, whether it's that rapport building, whether it's that negotiation skills. They are they are um, effectively able to kind of run the machine without being like, oh, well, this is how I run the machine. But as I've gotten more tenured and later in my career, the the ability to have the process in place and the structure is just it's just so important, right? And so um, so yeah, I think I think um, you know we we at Crunchbase we have an amazing revenue ops team, so it helps me you know figure out where we need to focus on the process and the structure. But as a, as a leader, like that is that's one of the you know top three parts of my job is making because because that's how the train's running, and that's and and then sometimes when you know I have a bad month or a lower revenue mm-hmm. than I've expected, I kind of have to look at the stages in the sale have to look like what did any, what, what fell apart aside from us actually not getting that contract signed, but like what really happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And so nine times out of 10, it comes back to something was faulty in the process, right? Maybe we didn't document the right, um, or we didn't do a good, good job just doing a discovery. We didn't kind of like break down all our, our answers that we got there, or even it started at the qualification process from the SDR. And, you know, it, it I'm not being too specific because there there are a ton of times where it's like, hey, let's just tweak this, right? Like, let's make sure that our solutions engineer is on all of the deals over this amount. And when he and when they're not on that deal, um, let's look at the win ratio and see, do we need to increase that, right? So it just comes down to kind of managing the team and how we're doing. So- a lo- long-winded way of saying process is everything. I'm not overkill on process. Like I think I do want people to have the ability to run a sales call and be themselves. I don't want them doing checklists and and they must get all this information. Again, that's just one part of the sales process. But I want them to have that framework of like, all right, well, I need these three things um, because we know those three things don't let the deal die or help us close our win cycle a little
1: bit quicker. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: yeah. Process. Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly, incredibly uh, important. And even if you're, you like, it's almost like you follow the process, master the process. And then once you've got that down and you know that, then you can get a little bit like more creative with it. That's right. right. Because you know what's, what's coming. Um, I had a leader in the past say something along the lines of, uh, I'd rather you lose a deal and know why than win a deal and not know why. That's right. And and it's like, because then if we know, then we can tweak our process and then we can disseminate that new process to the team. Win rates go up overall and you get enough cycles of that. And then you start winning and you start winning repeatedly instead of just at random, right? Because you don't actually know why you're winning over your competition, you know, if you're not following up. process um all right the final two ones performance and play would love for you to break those down
0: performances that's i mean this is this is our job right
1: we have a number yeah
0: we are outcome based pretty simple that's it it's really about just you know not only hitting that number it's you know exceeding that number and um you know being open to this, this has a little bit of uh, underlining of like, well, if you're not performing open to being able to like get coached on performing right. And being, and being able to always help people level up. I think there are, I've I've said this in the past, but there, (laughs) I'm going to make it a sports analogy. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm
0: not a great golfer, but it sort of reminds me sales of swinging a golf, what is it called? A golf club, right? Club. <laughs> I, I really am not that bad. Um, <laughs> take that out. A golf club.
1: Um, yeah, we got you. We yeah. got you.
0: Um, it's it's like when you're learning to, to swing a golf club or maybe even when when you're, um, you know, an expert at it. I There's so many things to think about, right? There's the keep your head down, put your hips all the way back. There's just a lot. to to do in a simple movement and I think with sales there are so many different things and parts of it um, Mm -hmm. and we can always get better at something I don't care if it's my number one sales rep and they've crushed it for the last four quarters and and, and, yeah like they're just the top performer they're always uh, top number one on the leaderboard there is always something that we can get better at in that in that um, process and, 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 and help with performance. So I think it's obviously like performance is number one. We want to hit those numbers. We want to exceed the numbers, but it's also like having, you know, being able to accept that, like when we're not performing, how do we, how do we figure out how do we get better? And that's everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I think the, the golf uh, swing analogy is, is great. And I know when I try and make uh. Tweaks to my golf game. If I'm thinking of two things at once, like, okay, I got to remember to do my, uh, keep my hips back. And then I also got to keep my head down. Then it's like the worst golf game I've ever done. And so, also, it's about like knowing performance when you are making those tweaks to uh, whatever it may be, isolate them. Don't, don't try and change everything at once. Um, or you, you, you can't figure out, you know, again, what is working and what is not until you've like isolated, a whether it's a skill set, a tactic, a strategy, whatever it is. Um, and then once you've nailed that, move on to the next little tweak and the next little tweak and the next. That's right. Tweak. Yeah. 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 It's a good, a good one. I like that way of thinking um, about it. Okay. Play. Very play. important. I love like, this one. I think this is my, yeah. my We're, favorite work one hard. Of, the, of the piece.
0: Yeah. Work hard, <laughs> play hard, right? Like, um, yeah. You have to have fun in sales. It's such a grind. It's, uh, it's it takes a lot. It takes a lot of mental health sometimes, right? Um, the highs are highs, the lows are really low, um, and yeah, I mean, I've seen people in my career that like wanted to be in sales so badly, and they just couldn't do the emotional mental thing. And I hear you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's tough sometimes, but I think. Um, I think having the right mindset and being and, and knowing, right, like knowing it is a bit of a um, ebb and flow, a bit of a roller coaster at time. Then you think like, oh, okay, well, if I'm more prepared, this low or this high. Actually, if I'm more prepared, this high, the low's not going to feel so bad. And and just having fun with it. I mean, sales. I don't. I don't care what you're selling. You, like it could be the most complex technical thing you got to have fun, right? Whether you're kind of like having, building great relationships and being yourself or just, you know, like celebrating that, that you're, you know, celebrating that massive contract, you know, your highest contract that you got at that time. And that, that to me is everything. That to me makes all the hard work worth it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's huge. Celebrating the big wins are are such a big part of that. I think if you have a career in sales... Long enough. I feel like the lows stay low, but the highs aren't, aren't as high. And you kind of, you, you which is, which is fucked yeah. up. Like it's, it's, totally. it's not a good, it's not a good thing. It's like yeah. your, your highs get less high, but your lows are still just as low. And so yeah. you kind of, you almost look past it because you're like, okay, this is great, but I need another, I need another okay. one. Um, and you know, making sure as leaders or as ICs, you know, you, carve out the time, like have almost like a ritual when a big contract comes in, like maybe as a team, as an individual, what are some of the things that you've done on your team to encourage play or encourage uh, people celebrating wins?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the big shout outs, right, like right away, as soon as it hits and it's, you know, popping up in the slack and giving credit, like I'm a big fan of obviously shouting out the individual who closed the deal but I'm also about collaboration and, and very team focused. So like who helped, right? Um, How did the solution engineer help, right? Did the CSM come in earlier? Um, Did, did an executive get on the call? (laughs) Right. So I'm a big fan of that. So when you're kind of doing the shout outs, just to make sure like, Hey, this is not an individual sport. It is a team sport in a way. Um, It's yeah. I mean, we try and have fun, like, fun with just giving the shout outs and, and talking through the deals. Like I'm a big fan of that. Um, so brought a call, making sure somebody speaks up about it because that's, again, that's a learning experience, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's all kind of done over Slack and zoom right now. And, and, you know, unless we get in person and we can celebrate it together. So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm starting to, so we got an office at at uh, GTM Fund, and everyone's in the office. And I was remote for eight years, even like pre pre COVID era. Um, I think there's going to be a move back to office or pockets. There is something, and I was on the other camp for a long time. There's something about just being around folks that that encourages that last P, that like play a little bit. A little yeah, bit, a little
0: more. bit more. Yeah. So, so this week we had um, a, the executives were in town. We had a you know a, a dinner, and right in the middle of dinner, a massive deal hit. Yeah. The, sa- the, sa- the salesperson like, might the have bet. planned it. I mean, I'll give I'll give her credit if she did because she did it. It was impeccable timing, and she might not have. Smart. It,
1: Whoever that is, was, she, she's going she, places. That's it. That's like playing. That's playing it was, chess. It was not like checkers, brilliant.
0: Scott, it was, it was brilliant. Yeah. And, um, I was able to celebrate with my CRO and my CEO and the CFO, like everybody was there. And that was just a high fives. You know, let's go. It was, it was really fun. So yeah, I, I hear you. There's nothing like in person and we just have to figure out ways to have that sometimes. Cause it's not going to be all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, the hybrid yeah. for sure. The, That's the, the, the way it's not going to be all the time. Um, Awesome. I, I love that. Uh, they're super easy to kind of memorize, internalize, you know, put that on a, those five Ps on a sticky note, put it on your laptop, quick mental check every day, you know, am I showing up this way? Yep. Um, I, I really like that. Um, all right, switching gears a little bit. Um, you know, this is kind of a, a story based podcast. And I imagine you have a ton of them. Uh, I would love to even unpack just that. <laughs> the, the win at the dinner, I think we can all uh, remember moments like that, that just feel like, is this, was this planned? Or like, how did the universe just like make this so perfect? Um, but tell me about one of the more impactful stories that you've gone through in your your career and fly me back to that time period, what was going on um, and what we'll, we'll unpack.
0: Yeah, I think, I don't know if it's, it was a massive celebratory win, but I think for me as a woman in sales, um, hmm when I was kind of growing up in this, in this industry, there weren't many admirable women, to be honest, to like, look up. There just weren't that there, there were just less of us. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I didn't really think twice about it, to be really honest. I just kind of like did my thing and I was really good at the thing I did and selling, meaning selling when I was selling. And then, and then, got into leadership and then didn't really, you know, kind of did my thing and I was really good at it. And, and, and I will say just because this is important, right? Um, You know, you never, you never really get the guide to sales management, right? It's just kind of like, you're either, you're either the number one sales rep or yeah, you've, you know, you've done a, the team lead thing, you've coached some people, but you just kind of get thrown into it. I think nowadays it's a little bit better. But when, when I was moving into sales management, it was like, we have a position. Do you want to go for it? And I was like, yep, yeah, I do. And um, <laughs> you just kind of go and you just learn on your own. And so again, I was just doing the thing um, that felt natural to me as far as coaching, mentoring, and trying to keep up with numbers and, or trying to like help with numbers. And so it wasn't until probably you know a few years into leadership where I started to see more women in sales and more women in leadership and and um, they just weren't that good they they weren't exciting me they weren't um, they weren't they weren't this is like positive hope of light and again admirable they were like the opposite right they were so negative or not negative, but they were so forceful with their opinion. They were so um, aggressive with their thoughts and their decisions. And I was like, why? Right. And and this is probably two or three people. So again, like at that time, Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that leader. And it just, it just turned me off like from yeah, it, it, it turned me on to, to to focusing actually on on just becoming a really strong woman leader, because you'll you'll hear people mm-hmm. say Scott and I, and like just just be, being very very frank, like some of my closest friends are like I I don't want to have a woman leader, I don't want to have a woman boss because they've they've had bad experiences, and that's like awful. Like we should not be talking about that. It should not gender shouldn't be a thing. Right. And so, but I, I did experience it. And so like, I, I can, I'm I'm empathetic when I hear that because I was like, yeah, I hear you. Like I haven't had many great women leaders myself. So that became my mission to be, I don't need to be a bitch. I don't need to be the, the extra loud in the room just because all the other people in the room are loud. I need to just, I need to lead with compassion. I need to be focused on culture and I need to, um, Care, right? Like mm-hmm. simply, I just I I need to be a good person, and I need to be, um, you know, focused on the numbers and focused on the people, and do it in in a in a great way where people are like, "Wow, she she affected my life." I said recently, I've, I took over a couple of different departments at Crunchbase, and you know, I got up in front of them, and I was like, "Look, like I." I want to be one of the best leaders that you've ever had. And you can look back and be like, wow, you know, she was great. And so I'm like, I don't know if I'm always going to be that way or always going to feel that way, but I do, I do, I'm going to try. I'm going to try my darnest to, to get there. And that, you know, people management is, is tough in its own way. And then you put sales and revenue and numbers and churn and retention in there and it's even harder. And so, Uh, Yeah. So that, that kind of, that, that, that just triggered me really to just, just want to focus on being a great people leader. And luckily that at the forefront, I have still been able to hit numbers and be a great like sales and, 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 you know, revenue generating leader as well. But I, I will say that I've always put the people and the culture like a little bit ahead of it because I don't want to be a jerk. I don't want to be this <clears throat> bitch that is hitting numbers, but people are leaving and they can't stand you and you're not helping them move up in their career. And you've done, and you, yeah, you just, and you don't care.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's the harder route almost, but it's the right route. You know, it's uh, in our hyper-competitive environment. You know, we've all had, you know, called sports coaches or anyone teaching us anything, you know, you can be the hard line thing and maybe in short term out of like fear, you know, you're going to play a little bit better or you're going to practice your instrument a little bit more, but it's a very short term bump. Uh, and then over time, you're actually detracting uh, from their, their overall performance. Um, and, you know, when you do lead with compassion and empathy and take the time to understand what truly motivates them not because it can't be one size fits all like you have to you go from a a wide approach and be like okay i'm hard-lined with everyone and i'm loud or you have to do basically tailored and i imagine you do this like a tailored leadership style to every single one of your team members that are all vastly different human beings and are inspired and uh, demotivated by different different things and you need to know what those are that's
0: right yeah, it's the harder route. Yeah, it's more time-consuming. It's more like digging in personally, right? Um, yeah, but it's so yeah. much more rewarding. And, it's so much more rewarding.
1: Yeah, and sustainable. And you don't have team churn, and people come together, and you know, uh, and it it doesn't mean you can't demand excellence, right? That's where kind of sometimes these ideas uh, people mistakenly think that's that's weakness or or that you're not going to be able to drive results that way and it's just you know proven time and time again that's just not not true you you can demand excellent and be an empathetic compassionate leader in
0: fact i think sometimes i've received even more excellence because i've i've right. given them the ability to be their true authentic self i i've showed i've cared and they work harder right and they're like wow like i like they're working even that little bit more percentage and effort because they're
1: happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge. Um, and kudos to you for taking the the hard path. Um, you you said something interesting there. Go go a little bit deeper on. And I've been told this before from multiple female friends and and colleagues. I can think of a particular conversation I was recently having with uh, a female friend and. She's an incredibly talented operator, not, not in tech, um, in, uh, commercial real estate development, which is also a little bit even behind where we are in tech. So not a lot of female leadership. And she said the same thing was all of the female, uh, leaders are like really mean to me and they don't <laughs> seem to be mean to, uh, everyone else on the team. Um, And I don't. And she's trying to like figure out is like are they trying to like push me to to get better? And and she's having a tough time um, battling with that. Um, I guess what would you say to uh, women who are maybe in that situation uh, or aspiring leaders? Yeah, I've
0: I've seen that. Who are female? I I know exactly Mm -hmm. what she's referring to. It's this like competition um, of sorts. And you don't see it with the male counterparts. You don't see it with the other genders at all. And so, I um, I think just don't focus. I just don't worry. Just try not to focus on it. Would be my advice. I think just try and do the best work you can, and surround yourself with people that support you and make you feel good. Because that type of behavior and toxicity is it's just damaging to your leadership and your team and your results. And I know it's so it's easier said than done to just ignore it sometimes, but like it's it's not worth it because you're gonna find somebody yeah. is gonna support her and somebody is gonna make her better in a way that feels good and not threatening or manipulative or just mean, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard. I've seen that.
1: Yeah, yeah. In- interesting thing to to wrestle with, and I, I imagine I can guess as we, that likely that will change as we work hard to get more uh, representation in leadership with females. Then then maybe there's less like competition, less like, um, and you have know, the rise of more leaders like yourself, compassionate, empathetic. Um, one of the questions I want to talk about your kind of career arc and your story is, um, so you, clearly you got to this place of, Learning the kind of leader you wanted to be, but when you look back at maybe your early career or before you figured out those things, where did you go wrong? Is there anything you would do differently when you look back?
0: How much time do you have <laughs> uh, Of course right um, yeah, when you reflect on things for sure i think I think um the one thing I probably would say is. When you need to grow revenue, when you're in hyper growth, I've been at, you know, that stage a few times in my career where it was like hyper growth, like all out, we got to just get to this number. Typically that's a, let's hire more, let's get more head, Mm -hmm. let's, you know, create the like, just use humans to do it in a way i think now i would probably i feel like i'm just a little bit more methodical with it i would say can we be more efficient as a team can we increase efficiency as a team first before we try and hire because what tends to happen and we've all, we've all been there and we probably won't have it for a while in this environment that we're in but is you just over hire and now you're like shit what do i do now we're really not efficient as a team. And you start to like really look at the, you know, the cost of the sale there. So not to say that I wouldn't have hired. I probably would have just tried to say, let's get this team. Give me one, two, three months to just figure out how we can work on efficiency a bit with who we have. And then I can look at the number to hire to grow. Um, yeah. So I think yeah. it was just so That's it was great. the time of like, hey, we just got to go. We got to move. Let's. And a lot of companies did that.
1: I have done that. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice to see a bit more of a. I think it's a forced change, yeah, <laughs> but definitely but, yeah. a. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's no more unlimited money from the the VCs coming in. Uh, but it's a healthy it's change. A healthy for change. Sure. And it's yeah. and it's
0: still. I mean, thinking yeah. like right, um, hiring and interviewing. I mean, it's the it's the biggest non revenue generating task that we do as as sales leaders. So, that you know, it, it consumes so much. So it's probably a better change.
1: Yeah, yeah. And everyone wins with efficient growth, right? The, the VC's funding, the companies, you know, t- don't have to continue to invest more and more. Uh, the growth rate of the company is better. And also the individual reps, are doing you know, that, with less reps better. on a team. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's more, more... uh yeah, more customers to right. close, basically. Uh for more commission to be made. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. This has been awesome. And and Ange, thanks for being open and candid with uh with your story. Uh, I think it's super, super important. Um, my last two questions, I always keep them the same and they are intentionally vague, so you can uh take them anywhere you okay. want. Uh and the first question is there's a lot of bad advice out there. There's a lot of uh, old tactics, old best practices still kicking around. Um, what is one tactic or strategy that revenue leaders widely believe to be true that you think is bullshit or no longer serving us?
0: I think, oh, this is a tough one, Scott. I think it kind of just sums up, I think the world we're living in today, but the just the whole emphasis on on outbounding. When you have a company that has to like completely outbound, it makes me think of a few things. It makes me think of like, is there a big product market fit? Is there, I'm not against outbounding. I just want to say that. I think there are ways to do outbounding really well. And I think we are so fortunate to have a lot of tools out there that help with it. And especially, you know, the coming of AI but I think when it's such a big part of the revenue, I think um, I think the lengths that we go to to close the deal or to push like just becomes it just it gets very unnatural, right? It becomes this like forced sale. And Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if that's being very clear, but I think, um, I, so I don't want to say outbounding is dead. I think outbounding needs a big change. It needs a big overhaul. And I think, again, I think we're, it's, we're naturally going through that now, but there was, there has been times in my career when, when outbounding was like, all right, well, then inbounding's down, right? We, we need to outbound. And I think you can drive a good outbounding machine, but sometimes the tactics there are just like, is whether it's like just increasing the um, the sequence and the, and ha- how many times you're reaching out to that person, whether it's surrounding this. I think, I think it needs just an up uplift. Uh, I think people are done with it. I think it's just a it's a hard game to play. It's sometimes necessary for companies. I get it, but I think it just needs this whole restructuring and outlook on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Outbound is definitely definitely changing, and uh, we've had a few guests sort of. Mention that or allude to, to similar things. So I think it's a shared, a shared sentiment. Um, but you know, there certainly is a time and a a place, you know, there's a lot of new technologies that come out that folks need education on. Like it's almost like you don't know the problem until you, you've kind of seen that there's a a solution. So certainly a time and a place. I think the strategies and tactics are going to differ. Uh, but almost what I'm hearing in that answer too is, is just a, a zoomed out. Idea that uh, how hard is it to close a customer? And if you're like square peg, round hole, it's like we have the best go to market motion ever, and like you just force it through. Right. Um, it's not good for for anyone. Uh, and Mark Ostiglow is the zero at, at Catalyst. He can't remember exactly how he words it, but. He says, "Congratulations, you just closed uh, your closing churn. So right. you just you managed to close it, and then in a year they're going to churn, churning. and all the money that you threw yeah. to close that customer uh, is yeah. is out the window, yeah. right? We don't usually make our payback in like the first year. You know, it costs us too much to, right. to acquire a customer. Right. So I, I think it's a good way to to look at it. Um, if it's too hard, maybe there's a reason. Maybe right. uh, go back to the drawing board on the the problem you're you're solving. Um, final question." Um, what's something that's working for your team right now, whether it's a strategy, a tactic, something something that you're having success with today?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get my leaders of the different functions, listening and involved with my whole org. So kind of just like having really a cohesive leadership team. So I want my CSM leader hearing, talking to my SCR and AE leader and making sure like we're just, we're just sharing what's going on, maybe even getting opinions on like, what do we think of this? And so like that doesn't it's it doesn't sound like revolutionary, but it it I want a I want them ex- to expose them to that part of the sale. Um, I think it's great for growth. And two, I want to hear I want to hear some of their ideas that we probably haven't thought of from, you know, from a post sale um, you know, it, it, um, opinion. So I'm trying to bring, I'm also trying to bring the team really together because I kind of, like I mentioned, t- took on a couple of different departments and like I want to run it like one unit. And so doing that, it has it's really helped me it, and I think has helped them with the business that they're running, right? I mean, they're still very much responsible for one line of business, but when we're sitting there brainstorming about OKRs and we're th- sitting there and thinking through, like okay, do we want to change up our, um, our our basically our onboarding calls? Well, yeah, let's start from the beginning. Like, what's the information we need at the SDR level to the AE level to what we want the CSM to get on that call? It's just been it's been it's been kind of fun, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, I just I just been liking the collaboration.
1: Yeah. <laughs> The more we can get, you know, cross collaboration and other leaders outside of sales involved in the the process, it's so so Remember. helpful. I think that's one thing we yeah. did quite well at outreach, at least at the enterprise and strategic level, like larger. We'd have right. big deal review calls with like leaders across every business unit, and the perspectives that would come and the stories and the anecdotes, and like, oh, this reminds me of this customer, and then it was it was amazing what what could happen. Um, bringing and we found that like a lot of the leaders, even though it wasn't their direct, like maybe KPI that they were affecting, they loved it. They're like, oh, this is cool. I get to like be, be a big part of right. it. So, um, I think that's great. Well, Ange, this has been awesome. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm glad we, we made it happen. Uh, you're such a mm-hmm. pro. Uh, congrats on a fantastic career. And, um, for folks who want to continue to, to follow along, um, is LinkedIn the yes. best way you're to welcome. stay in touch yeah. with you? Find me on LinkedIn. It's great. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thanks again. And to our listeners, appreciate you. Uh, thanks for tuning in every week. And uh, of course, I always say it listings one thing, executing is something totally different. You know, uh, internalize this and go apply it to your business and your career. And we'll see you next week.